Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today, DFS. My name is Sia Najad. That is Mike McClure. And we're here like we always are, 5 o'clock on Thursdays, to go over game by game, the plays we like, the stacks we like, just basically a game by game breakdown. Uh, I do want to mention, I got to thank Mike, I, I'm so happy about this. We almost have our FFT DFS contest full already, and it's only Thursday afternoon. What do you think about that? I think it's incredible because it means it's going to be bigger next week. And That's the week right. after that, it's going to be even bigger. And it's been really fun. We've talked about it in the last few shows too. Just the ownership in that contest, uh, just being so heavily influenced here is really fun to see. Uh, I think it's a really, it's a spot where you can learn a lot about game theory without spending a lot of money playing big tournaments. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun for us and the listeners. Totally agree. I mean, as you see some of these guys that we talk about get this inflated ownership, for those of you that are playing in this tournament, maybe some of those guys you want to pivot off of. Maybe some, you know, maybe you want to make your roster construction different. This is a really nice tournament, like Mike said, to listen to the plays and figure out how to be at least a little bit different. It's only 200 people deep, so you don't need to be extremely different, obviously, but it's certainly something to keep in mind. So we have, I think, around 25 spots left. So if you're listening to this right now, go ahead and click the link. It's in the podcast description. It's always in the podcast description on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and it's on the YouTube description as well. Speaking of YouTube, before we quickly touch on Showdown before our game-by-game preview, um, hit the like button. Go ahead and hit that like button every single time you get in this and you're, you're looking at Mike's face, you're looking at my face. That should be a reminder to hit the like button. And Mike, I think you have something, a bit of a surprise, something hearkening back to last year. You got, you got something to sip on there? I do. And, you know, the tennis match I was sweating uh, backstage has finished. We won. Uh, so we're going to crack a liquid death. I love it. There it's it is. Beautiful. There it is. It's such a beautiful thing. And Mike hits his bet. Hopefully you guys are following Mike on Twitter, but also uh, on Sportsline and, and at the early edge because some of those tennis picks are are out there on a pretty routine basis among other sports, of course. So let's touch on showdown. We, we've got a showdown in three hours, right, Mike? And, and it's a weird game, right? It's the Steelers at the Browns. And I only say weird because we have a really low total. It's in like the 38 range. Cleveland's favored by four at this point. I, real quick question. How do you think the game flow is going to go here? And can you give us a few captains and maybe a few flex spots that that you know will be in play for you? Yeah, look, I, it should be a relatively competitive football game. Uh, clock running quite often. Heavy dose of the running backs, especially on the Cleveland side with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Uh, I like both those guys a lot. It's, it's kind of hard not to. Kareem Hunt will definitely be my second most known captain. Chubb is number one by a pretty considerable margin. But it's going to be Chubb, Hunt, and then the third most used captain spot for me uh, for my simulations today might surprise you. It's actually the Browns defense. We don't get that a ton being all the way up into the top three. So we've got those, the two running backs, the Browns D, 
Um, other surprise captains, I would say very low on Najee Harris, uh, lower than normal. Um, and then when we get to the flex spot, I have almost 60% exposure to the Browns defense, which is pretty extreme. Uh, Kareem Hunt is the next highest owned player for me. Uh, and again, if you want to see all of these rankings, I actually publish them all on Sportsline. So what I do is I build 100 lineups from the simulations showing optimal exposures to every single player based on what I think is best for this individual game. Uh, and I actually list them out there, the exact exposures uh, over on Sportsline. That sounds it. I've seen that, by the way. Super easy to get to, and it's super great information, as always. Uh, are the kickers in play here, Mike, particularly the Browns kicker? Yes. Uh, Cade York is definitely in play here. Uh, I've got him about 30% exposure, which makes him the seventh highest owned player. So it'll be Browns, Hunt, Brissett, Trubisky, Chubb, Tay Johnson, and then Cade York in front of Fryermuth, Claypool, and Najee Harris rounding out the top 10. Amari Cooper is 11th. Excellent. All right. Well, let's get into our game-by-game -game preview. I see a lot of questions in the comments. We will try to get to that. This Thursday show is, is usually pretty busy, so if we find some time, we're going to get to that. But i got to be honest, the DFS questions are going to be a priority over the redraft questions. I want to get to the redraft questions, but I also don't want this podcast to be or this show to be an hour and 20 minutes long. Uh, so hopefully we get to those. I appreciate the questions regardless. Everybody in there, just a reminder, hit that like button. But let's get started with the game-by-game -game breakdown. You know what, Mike? I'm going to start with your squad. I'm going to start with the Kansas City Chiefs. They're five and a half point favorites at the Colts. I think this total surprises people just a touch because it's over the 50 point sort of line of demarcation. Not that that's a real line, but anytime you see a five in front of the total, I think that intrigues people quite a bit. I think people wonder, right? Well, how are the Colts going to move the ball? Like how, how, how is the game flow going to go here? But nonetheless, We've got a five and a half point spread. We've got Michael Pittman, who still remains questionable. I believe he practiced on a very limited basis today and yesterday. And he was very vague uh, when talking to reporters about whether he was going to play on Sunday or not, which I, I found kind of interesting. And it kind of made me think that he might be on the wrong side of questionable. But that's just me, um, you know, hypothesizing right there. Mike, what do you like in this game? Is this one of your main games to stack? It's not one of my main games to stack in that it won't be a cash game stack. And if you're to run projections, it's probably not going to be something that's going to show up. However, you know that I'm going to have Kansas City stacked up in this game. It's the perfect week to play Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey once again. Uh, what you need to have happen for this to work is you need the Buffalo-Miami game to miss. You need the Rams and Arizona game to either miss or be a blowout. Uh, but very realistic for that to happen. Uh, as far as Michael Pittman, the price point's too extreme for me now at 6,900 coming off of the injury like that. So I'm going to pass on him. Uh, I do like Jonathan Taylor in this game. The issue is, is the price point and all of the other games we want to stack. You'll hear this a lot from me this season. So the way that I'm going to handle Jonathan Taylor is I'm going to bet his over rushing prop. You can find it around 82 and a half in the market. I like that. I think he has a hundred yard game. Um, but with the 100-yard game and his price point, you still need one to two touchdowns to really pay it off. So I'm not going to go grab Jonathan Taylor in DFS just yet. I'm going to use the sports betting method. Uh, but what stands out the most in this game to me, looking at some of my ownership projections, Patrick Mahomes, just the seventh highest owned quarterback, coming in around 5%. And Travis Kelsey coming in around 4% projected ownership, not even really a top 10 tight end on this slate. Not sure I buy into the not being a top 10 yet, but I know he will not be a top five. 
I'm very interested in getting a combined ownership on Mahomes to Kelsey at less than 10, maybe less than 12%. And it's just something you never see, right? I mean, obviously, these guys are usually way higher owned, but because we have this Bills-Dolphins game, we have Washington and Philly, we have so many, and that's just two of maybe five games that people are really, really interested in that have high totals as well. So just from a pure game theory standpoint, if you were ever going to play Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, it would pro- this would be one of the weeks where you almost want to force in a lineup there, even if you don't love it because of the low ownership. My question for you, Mike, though, is you know, the run back, you're not playing Jonathan Taylor, and I, I completely understand that. And I should tell everybody, I've made a couple lineups. It is really hard to make lineups this week. It just is. Last week, it was a lot easier with the with the pricing. You're going to want to jam in some top receivers. And if you do that, that's fine. Uh, but you're probably going to be jamming in one of those top receivers with a top quarterback. Like, let's say, hypothetically, a Josh Allen or a Jalen Hurts or a Patrick Mahomes, for example. That doesn't leave you a lot of money, particularly to pay up for a high-priced running back. So it's something to keep in mind. So if we're overlooking Jonathan Taylor... You know, one guy that comes to mind in a potential negative game script who hasn't been used that much is Naheem Hines. Also, if Michael Pittman is out, I think Ashton Doolin makes a lot of sense at 3,900 on DraftKings. Either of those guys in play for you, or is it is it a situation where maybe you don't have a run back in this particular game? Yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned that. If Pittman is out, I think you can look at any of those guys, whether it's Ashton Doolin um, or Naeem Hines. Naeem Hines is okay the way he is. Um, he was involved in the passing game, you know, six targets week one, five targets week two. That mm-hmm. that works. What yeah. you need to see really is one of those landing in the end zone, which is very possible. Uh, the Colts played as bad as they could possibly have played in the first two weeks. I think this game is going to be very, very competitive. Getting to come home for the first time here for Matt Ryan, things will be a little more comfortable in general for that team in that building. So, I expect an incredibly competitive game, ultimately, that helps Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. As it stands right now, at the time we were filming the show, uh, it's just Mahomes and Kelsey for me with no bringback. Um, we, once we have some more clarity on Michael Pittman on game day, uh, you know, I, I don't even know if we're going to know until official inactives at 90 minutes. That's kind of where I think this is trending. Um, yeah. at, at that point, then I'll become potentially interested in a bringback with one of the cheap receivers. But right now, it's just Mahomes and Kelsey. Right. And and at times, you guys uh, and girls are going to have to wait until 1130 Eastern Standard Time to really understand who was actually in and who was actually out. We're getting towards those weeks where, you know, for the rest of the season, maybe where there's a couple key players that we're just not going to know until inactives are released. Let's go to the next game. This is another super interesting game that people are going to be all over, particularly because they just saw Buffalo last week on national television and they just saw the Dolphins come back from 35-14 to dismantle the Ravens at Baltimore with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill having absolutely massive games that we actually spelled out on the Tuesday show pretty clearly. Just ridiculous games for both of them. This is a 52.5 point total. The Bills are favored by 5.5 at Miami. Mike, you know, this is this is a tough one because this is one of those games where if you want to stack up the Josh Allen side with, let's say, a Stephon Diggs, that's all well and good, but but you just have to know it's going. You're, it's cost prohibitive to a degree in terms of how many other key players you're going to be able to jam in there. Gabriel Davis does look like he's trending to be back. I think you could potentially come off digs and stack Josh Allen with Gabriel Davis or just get Gabriel Davis in a skinny stack at 6,300 and just hope Diggs doesn't get the work. On the other side of the ball, you have a very discounted Tua Tagovailoa at 6,100. 
and not that he's discounted for him, but it's discounted as it relates to Josh Allen and the points in this game. Obviously, Tyreek Hill, 7,600. Waddle, 6,800. You're getting a discount there. The cool thing here is on the Dolphins side, you have really, really concentrated targets. Really just those two guys that you're looking for, unless you want to get super contrarian with like a Raheem Mostert type play. How are you playing this one? Um, I should point out, that on the bill side of things, speaking of inactives, there are a lot of players on the defensive side of the ball that are very much questionable, not just in the defensive backfield, but also on the defensive line. So those are the types of things we really need to monitor. If Dane Jackson is out, Tredavious White is still out. We're going to have a lot of rookies in play here, potentially, covering Jalen Waddell, Tyree Kill. Probably not a good situation for them. Mike, how are you playing this one? Yeah, um, this one's tough. I don't think I'm going to end up playing Tua. I do think that there are scenarios where he can have big game. I also think there's scenarios where he throws three, four interceptions in this game and it gets really, really ugly for him. Uh, the guy I'm most interested in on the Miami side is going to be Tyreek Hill still. Uh, I, I just envision a lot of targets around the line of scrimmage. He also obviously has deep targets as well. But I still envision double-digit targets for Tyreek. And if you can tell me I'm getting double-digit targets from Tyreek until he's $8,000 plus uh, consistently, I think that he's always going to be in play. I think you can also all but guarantee a neutral or negative game script in this spot. Um, You know, it's possible they come out and they're just crushing Buffalo. It's not likely, I don't think. Uh, I think most likely scenario is that they're competitive or they fall behind and they have to claw their way back. Um, so I, I expect Tyreek to be heavily involved. As far as the order of players I like in this game, it would either be Allen or Diggs one and two, and then Tyreek Hill. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to get to much else after that. I, I like the idea of stacking it up everywhere. I think it's incredibly difficult unless we have some news break between now and Sunday that really opens up some more value, though. I know you haven't made any lineups yet, but do you no. think – there's enough value on this particular slate to have a Josh Allen stack with Stefan Diggs and a Tyree kill run back and still be comfortable with your lineup. Uh, yes. I think that that is about the limit. Um, you know, it's basically the same thing as if you built a Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey lineup, you're probably going to want to play one of Stefan Diggs or Tyree kill in that lineup as well to get a piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, it is doable. Uh, you put those three in a lineup and you're left with 4,400 remaining per spot. Um, so you're going to have to get creative uh, at defense and tight end for sure. Um, but yes, I think it's doable. What I don't think would be doable is having a second Buffalo receiver or a second Miami receiver in the lineup. Right. Yeah, I do want to point out, and I, I don't know that it's going to matter in this game too much, but the Bills' pace of play has been down relative to last year. Remember, it's a new offensive coordinator. It's not Brian Dable. It's, it's Ken Dorsey. So the pace of play has changed. I don't know if that's going to be a, th- a theme for the whole year. Obviously, they're still putting up a ton of points, but I only bring that up because Miami also plays at a pretty slow pace, a very slow pace, actually. So that's something to keep in mind. You know, I, I, I don't know if that's really going to – obviously, we still have a high total here at 52.5, but there's certainly – a situation where the game could be operating at a slower pace than than some people think. Um, <laughs> this next game, Mike. Uh, this game. This is a game I'm going to be all over. Uh, not because I'm a Commanders fan, but because I just really like this game. Even though the total is only a pedestrian 47, I say pedestrian compared to the games we just talked about. But it's the Eagles minus six and a half at the Commanders, a 47 point total. Um, I really like this game on the Eagles side. You know, and I think there's some value plays on the Washington side. Obviously, a Jalen Hurts stack 
uh, is great. You could play Jalen Hurts naked, in my opinion, here. I think if you stack him with like a Devontae Smith or a Dallas Goddard, you really save some money off the A.J. Brown stack. But I think all of those stacks are in play. I think a bring back what they still discounted Curtis Samuel at 5,100 is is a great play. Uh, I, I don't really like the Wentz side of it too much, um, but I do think some of those receivers are also in play. But I'm really interested in playing Jalen Hurts for sure, Curtis Samuel in this game. What say you? Yeah, I like it a lot. Uh, definitely can play Jalen Hurts on his own. You don't need a stack. Um, if you don't play him with a stack, I still like the re- the the bring back on Curtis Samuel. I think I, I agree with you completely. At 5,100, he's completely underpriced. He might actually be this year's Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman was like $5,000 every week last year, it seemed. Uh, same thing here, but I think Samuel's got more upside than, than Pittman does just because of the offense he plays in. Um, so I like that a lot. I like stacking with Dallas Goddard. Um, it, it's kind of a middling price point. I'll admit that it's not a obvious value play at 4,700. I think it's mostly fair value uh, mm-hmm. just because of the general range of outcomes there. However, in certain game scripts, there, there are going to be games. There will be at least probably two games this year where Dallas Goddard will have two touchdowns in a game. He, he hasn't scored a touchdown yet. He, he's getting plenty of targets, nice 80-plus yards in the second game here. He is going to have a game where he has eight to 10 receptions and one or two touchdowns very soon. Uh, I think this could be the spot for it. So I personally like stacking Dallas Goddard with Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I like that play uh, quite a bit. Uh, Jalen Hurts with any of those top three guys is certainly going to be in play for me. I do want to point out, because I brought up pace on the last game with the with the Bills and the Miami Dolphins, Eagles are top five in pace and neutral pace. So top five in pace in general, and they're top five in neutral pace. Um, Washington has allowed more explosive plays than any team in the league through two weeks. And if you think that's just a blip on the radar, check out last year because they weren't very good last year. They're also not very good at getting off the field on third down. I just don't see a scenario where this defense puts enough pressure on, and I don't mean actual pressure on Hurts. I just mean pressure on the offense to continually get the Eagles off the field in spite of the fact that it's a division game, that it's in Washington. I just think this sets up really, really well for the Eagles to really score in a lot of different ways. And I think Miles Sanders is in play too. I think Miles Sanders is a interesting contrarian play. If you're not stacking this game and you just want to grab a piece here and there, I think Miles Sanders is an interesting piece to grab as most people will be going for the the Jalen Hurts and the AJ Browns of the world. We do have a question, Mike, about cash games. And I think it was um, Gray Goose something. I got to I got to scroll up and look at his name, but he had a oh, great Hayes. Thank you for your question. It is a DFS question. Allen and Diggs in core cash lineup uh, question mark, not a statement. You know, for me, Mike, I, I, I might want to just go down to Jalen Hurts and, and play Jalen Hurts as my main cash quarterback, as opposed to paying up for this, this particular Allen Diggs stack. But how do you feel about these two guys in cash? Yes. Yeah, so for the answer is yes, you can definitely do it. Uh, I, I like it in cash. You can definitely do it. Now, what Sia is recommending is also something I would consider. Um, and, and the reason being, if you drop down uh, to Jalen Hurts, you know, you have to answer the question, do you need the $600? This week, you kind of do uh, in cash games. And the projection on both floor median and ceiling on Jalen Hurts is not terribly far off of Josh Allen. Uh, So it's an interesting way to get exposure to both offenses. Yes, you lose Josh Allen's rushing upside and he does have touchdown equity with his legs as well. So it does, you do lose a little bit there. 
Uh, but I think that you need the salary this week. So I'm not saying you have to play Josh Allen with Stefan Diggs. You could definitely use that $600, play Jalen Hurts with Stefan Diggs and accomplish mostly the same thing. Okay, Mike, speaking of saving some money, uh, the Bengals are minus six at the Jets. And I, I think and it's a 45-point total. I think this game has some sneaky shootout potential. I noticed that the total has clicked up just a bit. I think it opened maybe at 44, 44 and a, and a half, and it's clicked up to 45. But when I'm talking about saving money, is a Joe Burrow stack in play here? I mean, Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase, you're getting 6,600 and 8,100 together. Um, but obviously, Joe Burrow with a with a $2,000 less T. Higgins at 6,100, and that's compared to, to Jamar Chase. I think that's in play as well. And then you can run it back with a guy like Garrett Wilson, who's getting a lot of targets, a lot of red zone targets as well. You could take a shot on Elijah Moore. Um, you know, Michael Carter, perhaps in a negative game script, if you want to jam in a low priced running back, although we'll talk about a couple other low priced guys that we like later on in this show. Listen, there's a lot of games we like here. Are, are we taking the chance on if we're making, let's say, five or six lineups and we're just going to roll with those for this entire week? Is a Burrow Chase or a Burrow Higgins stack in play? Uh, yeah, I definitely think it's in play. Um, this one projects relatively similar to Tyreek. I mean, Tyreek, um, Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, actually. I'm projecting nobody to play Jamar Chase. So we're, we're talking single-digit ownership here on Jamar Chase this week. Not going to happen very often. You know, we were one week removed from a 16-target game from Jamar Chase uh, in week one. I know he's $8,000. I know that Stefan Diggs is a few hundred dollars less. I know Tyreek Hill is less. Jamar Chase getting targeted double-digit times, breaking an 80-yarder for a touchdown is well within the possibility against a New York Jets team. You got to consider him. He's got to be in your player pool in terms of playing tournaments. Um, as far as cash games, I don't think it's maybe necessary to take the risk there. Um, but yeah, I, I think Burrow to Chase, um, I, I think everyone's pretty much off of him this week because there are some really attractive games out there. Um it doesn't take much for the game to be a 52 to 53 point game like the Miami game to turn into a live total of 44 after the first quarter. Um, I, I really, really like getting away from that game the longer this week goes along. Yeah, I, I, um, I can absolutely see that. And I think this game, listen, that like this could this could really be the sort of the bounce back that we're looking for for Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. And while Mixon, I, I know from looking at initial ownership, is pretty popular, I might just want to focus on on Burrow Chase with, uh, for example, a Garrett Wilson. I don't want to chase the Garrett Wilson points, and therefore I don't want to necessarily chase a run back in this game. But I do think the way, especially with Joe Flacco still in there, the way Garrett Wilson has been targeted, especially some of those high-value targets near the red zone, certainly makes sense at 5,400 to, to jam him in. Um, Mike, let's go to the next game. This one is not nearly as attractive as some of the games we've, we've talked about already, so we don't need to spend too much time on it. But it does feature Lamar Jackson. The Ravens are minus 2.5 at the Patriots of 43.5. You know, I'm not really interested in this game. We did have Zach bring up uh, – it was either Zach or Frank on the Tuesday show bring up Jacoby Myers uh, at 5,000 because of just the target share he got. I mean, he had nine catches, 95 yards, I believe, almost hit the 100-yard uh, bonus, but nine catches in DraftKings is just a monster game. He is the guy. I mean, he is the receiver in that game. I think he's – I would definitely consider him in cash games. I question the ceiling in this particular game, even with the Ravens' secondary being so banged up. But are you interested in anybody in this game? 
Not really. Um, you know, look, you can play Lamar any week. You can stack him with uh, Mark Andrews any week if you want to. Um, overall, I think that this game gets a little ugly. I think that the Ravens win and cover the spread, frankly, still. But I, I'm not going to play anything in DFS uh, with the Ravens this week. I'm very selective with my Lamar Jackson exposure, as you saw last week. And then I, I pretty much go all in when it's time. This does not project to be a spot where you go all in on Lamar Jackson. I hope those of you listening now listened to Mike last week when it came to Lamar Jackson. Oh, and by the way, when everybody was talking about Fournette last week, remember what Mike said in GPPs? He said, play Nick Chubb over Leonard Fournette. In cash, you can play Leonard Fournette, but he said, play Nick Chubb over Leonard Fournette last week. And that would have really worked out for you, as would have the Noah Brown pick and uh, some of the other picks. We had we had a lot of good ones last week. Let's try to continue the momentum. Yeah. Um, but before continuing the momentum to the Lions-Vikings game, let's take a break and hear a message from our partners. And we are back. It is the Lions plus six at the Vikings. Another attractive game with a total of 53. As we get sort of into the September, I should say October, November months, I want everybody to keep weather in mind. Mike is kind of like the weather master when it comes to, oh, I don't know, like baseball, pretty much any sport. And he, he's always kind of given the weather report in terms of, you know, talking about totals and overs, overs and unders, things of that nature. And he talks about it in football a lot. Well, the good news here is we're playing in a dome. So we don't have to worry about that. But I do want to just put that out there for everybody that the weather is going to be a concern for us. And maybe even this week with with some rain in the forecast in some games as we get closer to the winter months. But, Mike, you, we got the pristine conditions in the dome. We've got two defenses that haven't shown up a ton, particularly that Lions defense. The Lions, though, are able to put up some points. Jared Goff has been very good. Amon Ross St. Brown has been very good. DeAndre Swift, of course. And the Vikings in a, in a clear bounce back spot against a weak defense. Uh, Justin Jefferson obviously is is super in play here. I think Herb Smith at 3,100 is absolutely in play. I, I, this is going to be a really popular game. I, I'm I'm assuming. I'm not looking at ownership right this moment on this particular game, but I, I don't know that I want a game stack this one. And it's not because I don't like it. It's because I like other games a lot. We'll get into our cheat sheet at the end of the show where we talk about some of the game stacks we like. I'm more looking at skinny stacks in this one where I might play Swift on one side and it. it who's expensive, and a Justin Jefferson on the other side, that's 7,200, that's 9,300, or maybe Dalvin Cook and, and Amon Ross St. Brown as a skinny stack. Maybe I throw in Irv Smith as well at 3,100 just to get that discount. Is this a game that you're looking to stack? It actually is. Um, I like Kirk Cousins a lot. I think this is a great bounce back spot for him. I The thing that I love is, look, you mentioned it, perfect conditions in the Dome. Obvious bounce back spot. Detroit's offense is actually legit, and their defense is not. They, these games with Detroit, they're going to turn into shootouts more often than not in, in this season, really, especially within the division here. Um, so I like Kirk Cousins a lot. Justin Jefferson is in that same category as Jamar Chase this week. Uh, very easily could be the top overall fantasy scorer of the slate. Definitely not projecting to be very popular. Uh, for him, I would say Stefan Diggs is going to be twice as owned uh, as Justin Jefferson. Not easy to compare the two price tags, but it does get easier to compare the two price tags because if you're playing just for Je Justin Jefferson with Kirk Cousins, Herb Smith is right there at $3,100. You, mm -hmm. you throw them all three together and it definitely lowers. It like gets cheaper than playing Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, and any of the other pass catchers on that side. Um, so I like it. The only thing I will caution with Irv Smith might be the highest owned player on the slate this week. Yeah. I mean, you know, he didn't really help give, uh, 
do any favors for Kirk Cousins last week, dropping a 63-yard touchdown. Um, but he, he, in spite of that, he still got in the end zone, and he still got a lot of usage. And, and that's what we expected, right? We expected the usage to tick up after that thumb injury that he sustained, and that's exactly what's happening. So that's one of those like free square situations when the ownership yeah. gets super high. I think there are going to be pivots off of Irv Smith, and it's not like he's a lock. It's not like he's, he's Travis Kelsey. So as the weekend unfolds, um, you know, m- maybe there will be some people to pivot to. But I do like right now, at least I do like Irv Smith at 3,100. I do speaking of tight ends. I do want to point out that TJ Hawkinson popped up this Thursday as in today uh, with a limited tag. But as far as me not necessarily being on this stack, I'll just be honest. I- I'm I'm kind of waffling on it, Mike. You uh, every time you open your mouth, you obviously convince me one way or the other. And I do need to point out that the implied total for the Vikings is higher than any other total. As I see it right now, their implied total is 29.75, whereas the Bills in another high scoring game, of course, is 29.25. The next highest one is the Chiefs at a 28 flat. So obviously you want to look at those implied totals and you want to look at competitive games, even though this line is six, this is likely going to be a competitive game back and forth where both teams have to keep their foot on the pedal. So certainly understand anybody stacking this one. But I do think if, even if you don't stack it, I really do think you want to try to get pieces of this game uh, for sure. Um, the next game, maybe you don't want to get pieces of. I, I don't think I want to get any pieces of. It's the Raiders minus two and a half at the Titans. Uh, that's a 45 and a half point total. One thing to point out here from a betting and DFS standpoint, the Raiders are traveling east for a one o'clock game. It's just something to keep in mind, particularly in betting circles. Um is there rain in the forecast? I thought there might be rain in the forecast. I know you're there in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, a- anything you see on that front? Um, I honestly haven't glanced a ton recently at it. I don't think it's going to, but it's possible. Uh, otherwise, it'll be relatively pleasant. Uh, in the you know low 70s, high 60s should be really nice. Um, I-, I haven't checked the weather, unfortunately, though. So. So let me ask you this. It's it's a pedestrian total, but it's not super low. Uh, we know that the Raiders have weapons and we were on, you know, I was on a lot of them last week with Derek Carr, Devontae Adams and Darren Waller. We know that the Titans secondary is continues to be banged up. I don't think Christian Fulton is playing, but I don't know that for a fact. So we'll have to monitor that situation. Um, is this a game that you want to get super contrarian with? I can't imagine the ownership is high. Oh, no, it's not. Uh, another game like this week is fascinating for you if you want to play tournaments. Again, I, I mentioned it the other day. I'm going to extend the number of lineups I play personally up to 10. Um, Devontae Adams, no ownership. We're talking single digits here as well. Um, we got Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams for sure in single digit ownership this week. Very, very interesting uh, here in tournaments. I expect them to go back to Adams early and often here. 8400 is a very fair price point for him, in my opinion. Um, I don't think – I think people – again, it's just like Jamar Chase, almost exactly, right? Adams saw 17 targets in week one. Chase had, what, 14 or 15? Uh, fell off considerably in week two. Both teams lost games. This is a spot where I expect some pretty big bounce back. So I, I'm definitely in on Devontae Adams in tournaments, potentially in on Derek Carr. I don't know Hunter Renfro's status at the moment. It looked like he suffered a concussion on that game-winning play by the Arizona Cardinals when he fumbled the ball. I think it was back-to-back fumbles by him, by the way, uh, in that in that overtime drive. But if he is out, is a is a money saver like Mac Hollins in play again? I'm not in the business of, of necessarily chasing points, but he did seem like a reliable target last week. And if Hunter Renfro is out, which for the record, Hunter Renfro was playing last week and, and Mac Hollins still got a ton of work at 3,300. But... Um, 3,300 this week. What do we think about that? Because we're, we're going to need to find savings somewhere. 
Yeah, no, you're going to need to find savings somewhere. Uh, it, it's much like playing Justin Jefferson. I think you tack on Herb Smith and, and kind of hope that you're getting more exposure to the overall passing game. I think it's the same thing here with Demonte Adams. If you're going to play him, throw Hollins in there. Um, they're both going to be heavily involved here. So I, I like it. I'm trying to look up all of the snap share. Yeah, it looks like he played 87% of offensive snaps. Um, that's pretty good. It's more than Renfro did. It's second, you know, only behind Devonte Adams who played 97%. Yeah. I mean, he has amazing hair, so he's, he's got a, he's got a check yeah. in, in, in my book for sure. Um, Matt Collins, who used to be with Miami. Um, you know, this is an interesting game, and, and I don't want to harp on it too much, but, you know, this game, the Cincinnati game, even the Kansas City game to a degree are kind of contrarian. And, and, and I only say that because of, like, the ownership of some of these big-ticket guys that are usually much higher owned. So, I, you know, I always preach, or at least lately, particularly in this offseason series that we did, Mike, uh, before the season started, was, you know, don't spread yourself too thin. You know, you know, have your, have your tournaments that you play. Hopefully you're playing a lot of single entries, some cash and some three-max, stuff like that. Maybe a 20-max just to – just test, you know, how you're getting different and 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 doing different things with your lineup. But the reality is, this week, while I want to have some shares of perhaps Bills, Dolphins, and and some shares of Lions, Vikings, and that's great. Those are going to be probably high scoring games. If those games fall flat to any real degree, and games like that Cincinnati Jets game go off, or this Raiders game somehow goes off, or some of the other games that are just in that sort of muted 45-ish, 44-point total, like you're going to be ahead of, I don't know, I'm ballparking it, but probably 75% of the field because they're getting so many pieces and stacks from that other game. So it's really something this particular week to keep in mind. It's it's really hard to assess this week, I think, because there's so many games and you want pieces of everything. My advice would be, Get some pieces of those, but have some games where you're just fading those games and, and you're for, for the most part, or you're taking a very contrarian piece, like you're taking Miles Sanders out of, out of that Eagles game only, and maybe maybe somebody on the the Washington side, and then you're stacking up these like Bengals and, and, and Jets games and things of that nature. Because if you do that and it hits, you're in really good shape. Yep. I could not um, agree more. Saints Vikings, Saints minus two and a half at the Panthers. Oh, I think I said Saints Vikings. Saints at the Panthers. Okay, so Saints are favored by two and a half. It's a 41 point total. This is another game that we probably don't need to spend a ton of time on. I will point out that Christian McCaffrey did pop up on the injury report on Thursday. Some stiff, he had a day off Wednesday, and that's pretty standard for him. He had some stiffness in his ankle today. He did suit up. He was, I think, going through drills moderately, but I think he had a limited practice. It doesn't seem serious at all, at least as it pertains to him playing on Sunday. And I don't think he's going to have a limited snap count or anything like that, but it's something to point out and monitor. Also, Alvin Kamara on track to play low total. The Panthers have been super underwhelming under Baker Mayfield and Matt rule the saints. You know, I don't think I want to play Alvin Kamara coming off an injury. I don't think I want to speculate on Chris Olave this week coming off that air yard explosion last week. Uh, Anything in this game that you like? No, honestly, no. Um, Just because, if I were trying to get there, like it would just be getting too cute when I can get Kansas City, the Bengals, other teams like that at single digits already. Um, I, I don't see any reason to go there. Yeah, let's move on then. Um, you you might have remembered from last week if you were listening. We we probably spent like almost fifteen minutes on that Washington Detroit game because, and I wasn't on it wasn't on purpose. I wasn't like setting a timer, but it was one of those things where I just really liked all the different combinations and different ways you could play that game, and that's why we spent a lot of time on it. 
Uh, we don't need to spend a lot of time on some of these games that just aren't going to be factoring in too much. And this next game is another one of them. Texans plus three at the Bears. It's a 40-point total. Um, there's some value in this game. So I think we can talk about this maybe a little bit more than that uh, that Saints game. But D- Damian Pierce is interesting to me at 5,000. Uh, D- uh, Montgomery is interesting to me at 5,900. That's sort of with Montgomery. It's sort of getting in a range where I, I don't necessarily love it from a price standpoint. But, you know, these are bad defenses, particularly on the Texans side. And, and I definitely think Pierce could pay off his value at 5,000. Is there anybody – are you are you considering Pierce – and if not, is there anybody in this game you're considering? Not really on Pierce. I'm actually considering Montgomery. Um, I, I think Montgomery is projecting well enough that you can end up playing him. Um, you know, the, the chalk running backs this week probably will be Montgomery and Leonard Fournette. Uh, just they're middling. They, they have talent. They can score touchdowns. They can do all the things. So I think a lot of people are going to jam both of those in and then play guys like Diggs and Allen. That's going to end with Irv Smith. That's kind of going to be your optimal lineup cash game thing that a lot of people run out there this week. Um, I don't mind Montgomery. Uh, look, the volume, it, it's mostly there. Um, that said, he's, it, you're not betting on a good team <laughs> at all. Fortunately, they're not playing a good team. So the only other thing I could say that I would maybe get to in this game is maybe play Justin Fields without anybody. I play Justin Fields naked and then load up uh, some big receivers that we think are at low ownership potentially, Um, whether that's Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson in a lineup, um, and just kind of hope that Justin Fields scores roughly what Kirk Cousins does and all the usage simply goes to Justin Jefferson. Um, Just take the savings a little bit. I think that's really the only thing I could recommend here in this game. And Zach, if we could click on that game log for Justin Fields, because one thing that's certainly clear is he finally has a matchup that isn't nearly as tough. I mean, he, as we can see here, if you're watching us on YouTube, again, hit that like button if you haven't already. San Francisco in a monsoon week one. That's a great defense, but it was also bad conditions. At Green Bay week two, now he finally gets a reprieve with the Texans. So again, in a slate where it's just really hard to fit so many people in, particularly when you're stacking guys like Josh Allen, this is actually a really good sort of naked play, in my opinion. It allows you to do a lot, and Justin Fields could potentially throw for a couple touchdowns, rush for a couple touchdowns, rush for 60 yards, and then you, yep. you kind of got what you needed there. So I, I think um, I hadn't thought of the Justin Fields naked play. I did think of, like, if you're entering a Millie Maker, I thought it would be fun to have just, just Justin Fields to Mooney. You don't even have to have a run back necessarily, but just because Mooney has been god-awful, and that's not necessarily his fault. But this is finally a defense where Justin Fields could absolutely show us what he was at Ohio Ohio State instead of what he was against Green Bay and San Francisco. So I think that's a a very interesting game to get contrarian with. Another interesting game is the Jaguars plus seven at the Chargers with a 47-point total. This is this is the beginning of the afternoon slate. It's a 4.05 start. I only point out the time because the rest of the afternoon games are 4.25. So if you're doing late swap after 4.05, you can still do late swap for the three games that are remaining, which is the Packers, Buccaneers, Falcons, Seahawks, Rams, Cardinals. So don't think just because that one four o'clock game started, you can't go in and change some of those players that are going off at 4.25. Again, late swap is super important. If anybody needs us to talk about that, we can address that probably on another show um, where some of the situations that you know you might want to do late swap, whether you're doing poorly or whether you're doing well. But the interesting thing about this Chargers game, Mike, of course, is Justin Herbert. It looks like he's going to play. I think with a rib cartilage injury that's still relatively fresh, 10 days old, I think he's going to be pretty limited. I think they're probably going to lean on guys like Eckler, Sony Michelle, 
Um, Joshua Kelly, maybe a little bit more than they ordinarily would. Keenan Allen, I'm not sure about his status. We have Mike Williams, of course. I don't really like much in this game. I think Eckler is okay, but in this slate, do I want to pay up for Eckler? Only if I'm just trying to be contrarian. I think once you go toward sort of some of the value plays, I think I think Trevor Lawrence at 5,400 is interesting with maybe a Christian Kirk stack at 6,200. Evan Ingram at 3,700 certainly has value. And of course, Gerald Everett at 4,400 if Justin Herbert's playing and Keenan Allen is out. That makes sense. I think the only guy I'm going to pull out of this game, though, is probably Evan Ingram. Uh, I think obviously I'm going to play some Herb Smith. I'm going to play some Evan Ingram at 3,700. I don't think I'm going to end up playing anything else in this game. What about you? Yeah, at this point, I don't have a ton of interest in it. I, I think the only thing that could get me onto it is negative, negative reports on Justin Herbert, but he still plays, uh, which is kind of conflicting. If it gets too negative, I, I don't know if we want anything. But what I don't want, it, for me to have interest, I don't want to see like a real positive report on Herbert, but I want to see him play still. And at that point, I have a little in Josh Palmer. Um, just a little interest, assuming Keenan Allen doesn't play. If Allen plays, Herbert's somewhat limited. I'm mostly off the game. Um, as of right now, I, I don't think I'm going to have anyone, but I could get to Josh Palmer, so I'm going to mention his name. Okay, yeah, Josh Palmer coming off a very just sort of enigmatic game. He, he kind of looked lost, I think, for about a half there on that Thursday night game, but certainly um, flashes some value. Here's a, here's a question that at least could be interpreted for um, DFS purposes. Which defense is a better play? Um, Mario Rivera asks, the Bears or the Texans? I have the Texans down, um, by the way, as a potential sort of discount defense in that sort of 2,500 to 2,900 range. I think there's a lot of defenses, and I'll just I'll just list them now. Um, the Texans, the Patriots, the Raiders, the Jets, Panthers, Falcons, Seahawks, Titans, Packers, Eagles are all between 2,500 and 2,900. Some of those are more appealing than others to me, but I just wanted to point that out since we don't talk about defenses a lot. But um, do you have a play here, um, Mike, in terms of what you like better? Obviously, these two teams with each other. Yeah, I mean, I'll lean with the home team uh, in Chicago, but I, it's not something I feel great about. So, yeah, no no strong lean. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I would also uh, lean the same way. Um, the Packers are plus one. That line's going down. They were plus two yesterday, uh, maybe even plus two and a half. They're down to plus one at the Buccaneers. We know the Buccaneers are, are kind of in shambles right now in offense, and that's just a result of injury and suspension uh, more than anything else. So Mike Evans is suspended. Chris Godwin isn't back. That receiver core in general is just banged up. It looks like Russell Gage is going to play, but there's just not like Brashad Perryman likely plays, but there's just not a lot of guys out there for Tom Brady. Of course, Gronkowski isn't there, and they're not throwing to their tight end. So there's not a lot of options outside of, of course, Leonard Fournette and guys like Russell Gage for um, Tom Brady. On the Packers side, Aaron Jones is 7,400. You know, I don't know that I want to get into that this week. I think Aaron Jones is probably going to be an interesting contrarian play. But this is only a total of 42 points. And, and I think the Buccaneers are going to keep the game plan really close to the vest here and just try to eke out a win because they're so banged up. It leaves me off of this game. I will tell you, I mentioned Tuesday, Mike, um, right after you left the show and we were talking with Frank and Zach, that I just was going to go ahead and fade Fournette because I, I, I uh, Frank had pointed out that in optimizers, Fournette is really popping. In cash games, I don't mind Fournette for obvious reasons because of the volume. I just don't know about the scoring opportunities he's going to have in this game. I still think he's a fine value, but if he's going to be super popular, I just I, I'll, I'll play him in cash and I'll call it a day. What do you think about this game? Anybody you like, whether it's cash or GPP? 
Yeah, I mean, look, Fournette's probably going to be in my player pool this week. Um, I think that the chalk on Fournette is actually not horrible chalk in this particular situation. Um, the volume is incredible, frankly. What, 46 touches? Well, more than that with receiving 50 touches or more uh, in two games. So I'm not going to fade him completely. He's definitely projecting as the second highest owned player. It's basically him and Herb Smith and then David Montgomery, then Stefan Diggs. Um, so, you know, I'm probably going to be equal to the field on it. I'm not going to be over, not going to really be under. Anyone else in the game, I really don't have interest in it. The one player that could maybe get there would be Aaron Jones, but it would be such a deep tournament flyer that I – I don't think that it's really worth spending a lot of time on. All right. Fair enough. Um, yeah, again, this is not a game I, I'm really going to be on. There's just too many games to choose from and frankly, too many contrarian games to choose from that are better than this particular game. So it's a no thank you for me. Another no thank you is probably going to be, we got two games left. Um, one of them is super interesting and the other one, not so much. So let's cover the not so much really quick Falcons plus one at the Seahawks. It's a total of 42. Um, you know, Mariota naked, is you know a pretty interesting idea i think maybe in cash games if you want to fit a lot of other people in but we just talked about how justin fields might be the play there we know the pace of this game is going to be very slow um you know obviously pitts is in play at 4800 uh drake london maybe in play at 5800 i don't think i'm going to be on either of these guys though and i'm not going to be on anybody in this game mike what say you yeah, not uh, not planning anything, but I can't rule out Mariota naked. Uh, it's either him or Fields. I'm probably going to have one lineup like that uh, that lets me play Devontae Adams and Jamar Chase together uh, at single-digit ownership and, and you know still get a couple of the other pieces that I like. So it, it'll either be Mariota or Justin Fields, but I, other than that, I have no interest in the Seattle side, and I'm not going to waste a lineup stacking up anyone with Mariota. All right, so let's move on to the last game of the slate, of the main slate. It's the Rams, minus three and a half at the Cardinals. It's a 48 and a half point total. Sean McVay has absolutely dominated dominated this matchup. Whether Cliff Kingsbury has been there or not, pre-Cliff Kingsbury, he was dominating this matchup. Post-Cliff Kingsbury, he was nominating, uh, dominating this matchup. Uh, Kyler has also been pretty bad against the Rams historically. I also think he's been bad the first two weeks of the season in spite of the fourth quarter uh, last week. I, I, I just think... How he came back against the Raiders, I don't think is replicable. Like, I don't think you can just do that against the Rams where you back up and then you just run around for like 15 seconds, then you find a receiver. I just think it's a it's a bad look for the Cardinals. I think the Rams could pile up some points here. They're favored by three and a half. That, that might even be, even though it's a division opponent and, and the Rams are on the road, I think this could be somewhat of a coming out party for, for Matt Stafford. I think he's interesting in a stack, particularly with Cooper Cup. You know, Stafford isn't super expensive, whereas Cup, of course, is very, very expensive. Um, I think you might have mentioned you like Stafford when we were doing our early look on Tuesday. Is this something you're stacking Stafford to Cup? Yeah, I like Stafford and Cup a lot. Uh, look, I view it very similar to Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, right? Not only in price points, uh, just overall opportunity, and frankly, the the projected ownership that I've got. Um, I, look, Cooper Cup still showing up around 15%, but that's not anywhere in the top 10 in overall projected ownership right now. So it is still a pretty significant discount on that. Um, so yeah, I like it. I, I'm going to have a Matthew Stafford lineup for sure. Uh, the question here is going to be the bring back. Do I get to play Greg Dortch again or not? Uh, Rondo Moore potentially going to play. He's working along the sideline. I think it's truly going to be a game time decision. 
I think it, it I say game time decision. I, I think it probably will be. I think it'll probably be something where we don't know at least until Sunday morning at the earliest or, you know, Sunday, Saturday night, midnight ish. We, we get the information, not planning to play things like that. Um, Morris out again. I actually love Greg Dortch once again as a runback. How about Zach Ertz? Is he somebody that if, if you're not, let's say Rondell Moore is back and obviously you don't necessarily need to run it back with anybody, but would Ertz be a guy that you'd potentially run it back with if Rondell Moore is back and you just don't want to play more or, or Greg Dortch at that point? I'll say yes, just because uh, I do think that we're looking at, again, neutral or trailing game scripts, maybe a double-digit trailing game script where they're really a repeat of last week against Vegas. Um, and, and I think that Ertz would thrive in that situation. But the real reason why I say yes is because it gets very different from Irv Smith. We know the majority of the field, especially in your cash games, are going to be playing Irv Smith. Mm-hmm. Um 3,100, 4,600 to Ertz. It's a completely different lineup construction. But if Irv Smith does what he does and did in week one, which was, by the way, zero, he had zero catches, zero yards, um, it's possible that you create some nice leverage here. I'm really not going to let, I'm not going to say let. I shouldn't, you shouldn't do it unless you're playing Cooper Cup, though. I wouldn't do it just to play Ertz. I would only do it as a bring back. I like it. You know, I'm looking at these these four o'clock games and it's the Jaguars, Chargers, Packers, Buccaneers, Falcons, Seahawks, Rams, Cardinals. I do think there's an interesting late swap opportunity if we get really good news about Justin Herbert or maybe even Keenan Allen. I don't know the timing of things, but and we get that news after the one o'clock kickoff. Because in that case, we might be maybe we loaded up like maybe we purposefully load up on the Rams, Cardinals, and maybe the lineup's not going well for through the one o'clock games, or maybe it is depending on how you want to play it. And then you, you hear that news and you switch off of some of those guys that you have reserved spots for in this Rams Cardinals game to the Jaguars chargers. I think it's an interesting opportunity because people are so like squeamish or you know, kind of squirrely about how they want to play Justin Herbert or the chargers in general. I'm not saying that's how you should do your lineups, but I do think it presents somewhat of an opportunity. Mike, any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I definitely think it creates some opportunity. Um, yeah, the, the issue is, is you have to commit to doing it because you're, it's going to take away your ability to play Miami and Buffalo, and it's going to take away your ability to play some of those players, um, in those other games, but I don't hate it. Uh, I'm most likely to still do it with some of the secondary pieces though, not the stars. Uh, I'm most likely to do it and get a little different with guys like Dorch, Ertz, um, Joshua Palmer, you know, depending on how things go. So. And, and the last thing before we get to our, our cheat sheet is don't forget there's an afternoon slate. So if you just don't want to deal with the main slate, there's just too many options and I, I, you don't know what to do and you're feeling a little overwhelmed. Well, hopefully this show helped you. But more importantly, for the point I'm trying to make is you can play the afternoon slate in just four games and you take a position on this Jaguars Chargers game or this Rams Cardinals game or some maybe contrarian pieces or stacks in that Packers Buccaneers game. And you have just the four games to deal with instead of this big 12 uh, game slate. So just something to keep in mind. I don't want people to forget. It's not just about contest selection when it comes to single entries and three max and cash games. It's also contest selection when it comes to the afternoon slate, the main slate. Maybe you want to look at the tiers contest and and see, see if that's for you. There's a lot of different ways you can play. Of course, we have showdown tonight, which we already went over, but there's a lot of different ways you can play DraftKings. So I, I highly encourage you all to at least go into the, the afternoon slate 
you know, just get in there on DraftKings and just kind of flirt around with the lineup and see uh, whether you like your lineup and, and whether you like that relative to what you're doing on the main slate. So let's get to our cheat sheet. Um, I'm going to start. I do want to ask you a question, though, Mike. Um, Miles Sanders, his ownership. Can you tell me about where you're seeing? I'm seeing it on something that I'm looking at, but I wanted to see what ownership was looking like with you. Uh, between 10 and 15%, 10 to 12%. Okay, that's higher than I thought, so I'll have to come up with a different contrarian piece. All right, I trust your ownership uh, more than anything, so I'm going to go ahead and delete that. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, while I'm thinking of my contrarian piece, you tell me uh, your cheat sheet. We're going to start with stacks, then we're going to go to value, chalk, fade, and the contrarian play. All right. Uh, I am going with Kirk Cousins to Herb Smith, uh, potentially Justin Jefferson as well, but it's really a Kirk Cousins, Herb Smith combo. My value play is going to be Herb Smith, uh, 3,100, mostly a free square in my opinion. Uh, I would expect him to be pretty heavily involved still. Very small sample size, could be very wrong about it. Fortunately, the opportunity cost, I, I think it's fine. I don't think it's going to kill me this week if he doesn't have a great game. Uh, it's almost similar to the Bengals defense situation last week. I think that many people are going to play Herb Smith. Um, chalk play, Stefan Diggs, love Diggs in this spot. He, he's clearly the, the top option for Josh Allen, no matter who's on the field. I expect this game could potentially get a little competitive for them at times. Uh, that's good things for Diggs. I'm going to fade Jalen Waddle uh, coming off the massive game. He's cheaper than Tyreek. He's cheaper than Stefan Diggs. It's easier for people to play Tua to Waddle. Yes, he's had... Great games. He's found the end zone three times already. I'm not expecting that part of it to continue, which drastically changes box scores. Um, and I don't expect this Buffalo defense, if they get a big lead, to kind of fold the way some of the other opponents have early for them. So I'm fading Jalen Waddle. My contrarian play, Travis Kelsey. I'm projecting him between three to five percent ownership. Simply too low, considering he is a he's a wide receiver playing tight end. You give me a flex spot. I've already told you I'm playing Irv Smith. Herb Smith is now my flex spot. Travis Kelsey is my wide receiver uh, or tight end, however you want to say it. So Travis Kelsey is a contrarian play for sure. I love it. I wish I could steal that from you, but I already entered something on this sheet, Mike. I got to go with I got to go with my guy. Um, all right. So I'm going to start with the stack. Uh, I have Jalen Hurts to AJ Brown. It's expensive. You, you can absolutely go Jalen Hurts to Dallas Goddard, like Mike talked about earlier in the show. You can, you can go Jalen Hurts to um, Devontae Smith, or you could play Jalen Hurts naked. The point is, I want Jalen Hurts in, in as my quarterback in a lot of these in a lot of these contests. I'm going to be in both on the cash side and the GPP side. So I went I went ahead and picked out Hurts to AJ Brown, but again, you can stack him with pretty much anybody in terms of one of those three primary receivers, and you're good to go. My value is going to be Curtis Samuel again at 5100. I almost wanted to put T Higgins as a value at 6100, but at 6100 is too high to, to preach value. But I just want everybody to keep T Higgins in mind at that price, 2000 less than Jamar Chase. Um, my chalk play is going to be Justin Jefferson at 9300. It's going to be hard to fit him into lineups, but part of the way I'm going to do that, hopefully, is to fit in Damian Pierce to some of my lineups. He's my contrarian play. So he's 5,000. You know, you're going to probably be paying down for running back a lot. I think if you pay up, you will be contrarian. So that's something to keep in mind. Some of those expensive running backs are not going to be highly owned because of what we're seeing at the receiver position. So please, from a game theory standpoint, please keep that in mind. But uh, Damian Pierce is my contrarian. And then finally, my fade is going to be Leonard Fournette. I said it on Tuesday. I'll say it again today. Uh, I don't mind Leonard Fournette in cash. I'll probably play him in cash. I'm not sure. I haven't made that lineup yet but I just don't think I'm going to get to him in tournaments. 
and uh, I'll probably go uh, more discount running backs and then one maybe running back that's a little bit higher priced than uh, Leonard Fournette. So uh, Hertz, A.J. Brown, Curtis Samuel, Justin Jefferson, Leonard Fournette, and the contrarian Damian, Damian Pierce. Uh, Mike, any final thoughts as we head into week three? Uh, yeah, just watch injury reports. Uh, try to stay tuned. We both obviously have Twitter accounts. You'll follow us there. Uh, if you're on Sportsline, you'll obviously be able to get my actual updated player pool, you know, 10 minutes before lock is if you want to check it that late, about 90 minutes, you know, once an active's coming out, I'm pretty set over there. Uh, but definitely not. If you're not feeling super comfortable yet this week, you're definitely not alone. It is not mm -hmm. a straightforward week like it was last week. A hundred percent true. So that uh, that discomfort is absolutely normal. I'm I'm feeling it right now, um, for sure. So uh, with that in mind, by the way, we do the twelve o'clock game by game preview on the early edge. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind too. I like to try to throw in a couple DFS plays there, especially as it pertains to late breaking news. I mentioned Ashton Doolin on that show again. That's the early edge powered by Sportsline. We do that show live on on the YouTube, the Sportsline YouTube channel, twelve o'clock Eastern Standard Time um, every Sunday. Uh, that's uh, Mike. That's with uh, you, me, Coach, and Prop Stars, right? That's correct. But for now, I'm Sia. That's Mike. This is Fantasy Football Today DFS. We're all excited and nervous about week three, and we'll talk about it when we see you next on Tuesday at 6 o'clock Eastern Standard Time to talk about our lineup recaps and our early look at week four. But for now, we'll see you next time. Fantasy Football Today DFS. Fantasy Football Today DFS.